got another episode here with the adventures on tap gang so uh I th- without much further ado i think we'll just jump right into it where we left off enjoy <laughs> so what do you want to cover D one um, or uh our favorite weirdness of uh races Ooh. You know, let's you know, let's talk about like some some D and D one. It cool. it came out recently. It did. There's sure. a free playtest document out there. Yep. No, it's um, not. It's not complete yet, right? This is just like a. This a, is the the very early. Yeah. yeah, correct. Yeah. This yeah. is like drop. I, I don't one. think the official release is until 2024. That is correct. So they've yeah. got I, they've got a lot. To I wouldn't even consider but they're this gonna alpha. drop other on their Tharkana like this one. You know, up until then, as playtest material. And I really like the way it's going. And, and throughout the the document that we did receive from Jeremy Crawford and uh, all of them is it, it says like, oh, there's going to be more. Here's a snippet yeah. of what we plan on doing. There's going to be yeah. more in a future unearthed arcana. And um, how how do we feel about unearthed arcana at, as a whole? Do you guys play much D and D? Do you deal with it much? So I'm probably the main guy for D and D in the group. Uh, Zach does yeah, a little that's bit, more Logan. and and mm-hmm. Mark is not as much on that side. He he's <laughs> probably the most eclectic. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I like the fact that they're <laughs> continuing on from D and D next into this one D and D. So D and D next was their holy shit fourth edition imploded. We're gonna shit can all of it, and we need to make something new. Yeah. So, you know, D and D next is where we're gonna go. Let's ask people what they actually want, as opposed to just guessing and trying to make something. Yeah. And they did a whole lot of, uh, you know, surveys, and people said, "Hey, we like this. We don't like that." The blah blah blah, and that's how fifth edition came about, and Absolutely. it has been hella successful. Uh, fifth edition is all about rulings over rules, and there's a lot of flexibility in there, but it's been mm-hmm. sustained and continuing to expand, and everybody in the world wants to make some sort of 5e variant, mm-hmm. so it's definitely successful. This, uh, you know, 1D&D as, as a, um, trying to, trying to go about it the same way, asking people what they want, and trying to integrate what they've already learned and what they developed with fifth edition into just basically an ongoing rule set is a really neat view. And I'm glad they're continuing with that. Um, basically audience participation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, That's been my favorite. Part definitely. Of it. Yeah. I think it, yeah. it's definitely how is D and D played versus how, how is it in a book? Right. Some exactly. of the things we were talking about before we got yes. on here were, they were just hidden these little stingers down in the bottom of, you know, how now the, the rules that we play with at our tables that, uh, we all think are part of the game are actually optional. Whether it's Nat Twenties giving you um, give, double dies. auto succeeding or yeah. rolling a Nat One is an auto fail. And I I guess you if you don't have those those players in your your uh, listener base, you know we're rolling D Twenties right, and you roll a D Twenty yeah. for everything in D and D. So yeah. if you roll a Twenty now, you auto succeed, and really that's how it's been treated before. But in the official mm. rule book, it said, hey, here's a fun way you could play, but that's not how right. it's meant to be. And now they've really just codified it and said, no, if you roll a 20, not only do you succeed, you also gain inspiration, uh, which seems to be a, lever- a mechanic that they're leveraging a lot more now. Um, and again, for those of you that don't know, inspiration, you roll a d20 twice and you get to take the the higher one but you get to do it on any d20 roll which in D is a lot of different things from charming someone's pants off sometimes literally to hitting something yeah. um mm-hmm. absolutely and, and i, I, I found that that, too, that was huge you know being a change because it's like oh this is an optional rule and now they're like no this is just how it is that's them listening to the players and the groups for right. years and being like, oh, yeah, I guess we wrote that wrong originally. Yeah. <laughs> Just seeing how people <laughs> well, play it, you know, because a natural 20 always feels good. Yeah. So it should continue it to always feel good, not just in combat. So, like, know? snuck in there right, yeah. is, you know, some, some 
kind of some deeper uh kind of some deeper things with the with the critical hit i'm sure you reading it you saw that it, right now in the way it's stated in the one D uh, pamphlet or whatever we want to call it is that you can only add your extra um weapon die on, yeah, yeah. On attack. it's double the dice it's, but yep. only for your weapon, only for your weapon. For all of your yeah so spell shit. attacks yeah. don't crit anymore right. which means right that, like, that was weird yeah so i think i think as someone who usually plays a caster, I was not. But that's also the way it used that. to be. Spell attacks never could before right. uh, do crits or anything like that, um, especially anything without a saving throw. So I, I think it's, it's again, just codifying things of, of the way that they're playing. I think the biggest change is, is going to be with Inspiration. Yeah. Where, and the, right now, inspiration used to be a GM prerogative, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If you did something cool, mm-hmm. you 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 fit your character. Unfortunately, half the time it was rewarding base level behavior of okay, you acted like your character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, inspiration. Okay. We're all DMs here. Uh, how many times have you guys handed out inspiration actually with a regular running home game? I, you, you don't because you just rule of couple, cool shit so often. Yeah, you know? I do cool. it all the time. Yeah, a couple yeah. of times. I usually I provide. I'm like, I usually provide advantage during the game. So that inspiration people, mechanic. Like, you start with inspiration. You can use it as a reroll or something else. You just start with it. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I want them. That's like, something I I learned from our one of our DMs as well. The same guy that I mentioned before, uh, Dan. He uses. Uh, a system that it looks like is now what they're going towards in D&D 1, where he grants, I think, three inspiration for the table. And he we we use these coins that our wonderful vendor, the Splinter Tree, uh, makes for us that are inspiration coins. And you can pass them out mm-hmm. to players. And then when they use them, they turn the coin back in kind of thing. Um, but he only lets he sets a cap for the table. There can only be so much inspiration at the table. And mm. so when you would receive inspiration... Uh, you 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 can't unless you use it, and it really fosters that using so. it more often. Uh, where when yeah. I've given it to players in my home game, I've only let them carry one at a time, but then they seem to carry it for, for weeks. A while, yeah, yeah, um, there's no right. use it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I've, in the I've new got rules, a point of inspiration I've been carrying for like three months in <laughs> yeah. that I've yet to use. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe maybe next time is going to be the time I really yeah. need it. Yeah, and in the new rules, yeah. that goes away as soon as you lay your head down at night. Yeah. You get it for a max of 24 hours, or at least until you mm. take a long rest. So you you're going to be using inspiration a lot more because it goes away. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys are yeah. familiar with uh Numenera at all or any of the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. the, um, mm-hmm. what are those okay. games called? The, the codex style games um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. where, you know, those things, they're very ephemeral. You get a grenade, you have to use it um, kind of thing. And yeah. as soon as you get one of those things, it's expected that you're going to use it mm-hmm. and not hold on to it. Like, you know, in Skyrim when you've got 8 million potions at the end of your save. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I like the way that it's going. I think it's going to be a good, good way to use it because I stole that from Dan. I use it in my table now, and now it looks like it's going to be, <laughs> uh, you know, codified into the real thing. Yeah. I feel like I, my personal style, I, I tend to do the rule cool. So I'll provide advantage a little bit more freely. Um, yeah, but I definitely doing that. I felt like I was offsetting it, but as far as like just, granting inspiration i definitely rarely did um not because i didn't think there wasn't worthy moments at the table i would just forget about the so this is a good way i'm i'm the same way i'm the same way well that's the thing is like usually my tables get into this place where they're already doing the things that the book says you should hand out inspiration for because they're trying to find cool, unique ways and they're trying to convince me with like, yeah, totally, I jump off this wall and I like swing and grab this rope and like, yeah, that's inspirational, that's awesome and you're talking in character the whole time and all this stuff and like, I forget to do it because that's just happening all the time. I'd be literally like just sitting there throwing coins at people, you know? (laughs) I, I try and break my brain of that a little bit, right, where... Like, I had a home game that was very unimaginative, very uncreative, and that's just how some players are, you know? I, I try to go into a game uh, to break it, right? Like, I yeah. want to see how much cool stuff I can do. And I had players that just weren't like that, and I had to uh, deal with that, right? Um, and so part of that inspiration was anytime they did try and 
stretch the bounds, you know, they got inspiration. Anytime they role played as their character, anytime they made a cool, um, a, a cool moment, I would give out inspiration because it cost me nothing, right? They're going to yeah. get advantage on their next attack, which doubles their percentage right. of, of succeeding. Maybe. Um, and in the actual dice math, it's only like a 33% chance, uh, better of, of getting a higher number. Um, so, it, for me, it was an easy mechanic to use, and then when they would use it, I'd be like, okay, cool, just roll advantage. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care how they use it, I only care how they get it. Right. And so, I was passing it out like candy. You right. Know? <laughs> and, uh, right. yeah, I, I get your point, though. Passing it out like crazy is, is time-consuming, but it's also a great way to lean people in a direction without, you know, right. railroading. Like, mm. oh, you had a great idea, here's an inspiration. I don't care whether it was the right idea, that was a good idea, here you go. You were thinking creatively. <laughs> well, that's it's a good yeah. way to reward thinking outside the box in that regard. Mm, yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like using it as a reward. And it looks like, I mean, now humans, I don't know if you've gone through the different races and the changes of them. Yeah. But humans just wake up with inspiration every day. Cool. That's that's just what they <laughs> yeah. do. So that I was amusing I to me because I feel like throughout all of D&D, there's always some variant where they're trying to make a human seem enticing. Yep. You get to have a feat, yeah. or you get a bonus to everything, or whatever else. Not like really, that I've was a found neat way to change the that. Opposite. So it was I, I always oh. felt like oh, they no. they made humans so enticing. Like every time I played it at a table, it was oh, here's four other people. They're all yeah. humans. None of them have parents because they all died in some tragic backstory. <laughs> and you know they're all uh, a human variant, human variant, human variant. And I would be yeah. the only like halfling. Yeah. Uh, at the table, I, but right. I guess kind of building off of that, if you guys don't mind, just talking about it real quick, is the change to the uh, you know the racial based bonuses, and now it's background based. I love love that. So Absolutely love, love it. it. Love it's too. great. Absolutely it's love fantastic. that. It makes it makes a lot more sense. It does you know, from a from a storytelling perspective. Uh, two mm-hmm. orcs having the exact same bonuses to their stats doesn't really make sense when, you know, right. one was a farmer and one was a soldier. For sure. Exactly. Life. Yeah. It's, it seems like they're baking in more of those elements that allow you to customize your character right. based regardless of what race and, uh, um, and class. That they are. Yeah. I mean, think about the, it's your just... favorite video game or any kind of gaming system. Like I always go to video games, right? Mm-hmm. The my favorite games I were always where I can make the minor adjustments in my build or you know that customization. You know, in anytime mm-hmm. you offer your player base more at their disposal in terms of customizing their character who they're gonna spend all of this time, and even in you know, in cases of you know, tabletop money, you know, giving that yeah. to them is just I don't you know, it's a, it's perfect, it's such a great it is it is people want to have something that's unique and something that makes them feel boxed in which is often what a a class-based system feels like uh chafes because you don't have that flexibility and having more flexibility from the start from the very beginning where you don't have to wait four levels before you get some unique option like you have that right from the the beginning really pulls people in yeah and i think the biggest thing it's going to do is you know you have all those people that are coming to it and they're like oh i want to be conan or, oh, I want to be Samurai Jack, or, oh, I want to be Batman, you know? It, it, D&D previously was such a, a cudgel when you needed to make a character where it was like, oh, yeah, you can have that, but, you know, right. you also now yeah. can blend in with stone. And it's like, well, I didn't need that. Well, you can do it. Um, you can do you it, it. So <laughs> That's what I you think get, it because detaches, that's what it says. Yeah, yeah, it detaches race from that. Um, and now the background is yeah. kind of that, but now you can make your custom backgrounds. So it, I think it's, you're always going to fight that. Well, there's min maxers out there. Well, yeah, but they're going to yeah. do it. Like that's the whole point of min maxing. They're going to do it whether you want them to or not. You give them the rule, they want to break it. So I or think they just want to feel good, you know, yeah. and that's, there's an right. option to do that and more encouragement to be able to role play with that. Cause it's not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I completely yeah. agree. And uh, oftentimes there's a min-maxer at a table full of role players, right? And mm-hmm. if you make it easier for the role player to make the character they want, mm-hmm. um, I think that you're going to have a lot more role play. 
You know, yep. you make it easier. Mm-hmm. What I didn't like, I think, were some of the new races. I hate when they attach uh, any of the the alignment to yeah, a race. race. And, I'm actually really you know, surprised they brought alignment oh, yeah. forward. Well, they make uh, a yeah. big note that you know, just because you are from the chaotic good plane as an Ardling, that does not mean you are chaotic good. But that's the same thing you have to have with all new players when they play a tiefling, right? Like, people yep. think you're evil. Are you yep. evil? They say no. Well, everyone around you thinks you're evil, because most tieflings are evil. <laughs> so, I, I I don't like that personally, because no. I love playing a, a good uh, tiefling, or my favorite character mm-hmm. was an evil paladin. Right? right, like I love being able to change that, or like a and... non-bloodthirsty orc, right? I mean, absolutely, right. yeah. Right. Which I feel like that has kind of gone a little bit, yeah. luckily, with the orcs. But the Ardlings well, but that... and the Tieflings, it seems to double down on on that Alignment. heritage. Yeah. With their change right. to go to background gives you your your stat bonuses. It helps pull away from you are X race, therefore you are just a stereotype. Right. And then they yeah, yeah. continued that old way of thinking from when he right. created with the alignment. And I'm like, I understand alignment's right. kind of intrinsic to it, but nobody really gives a fuck about it. Like, there's not <laughs> alignment-based artifacts. No, there's not things that really <laughs> affect the game with your alignment. It gives you a handle for how no your character acts, purpose. maybe, but a lot of people ignore it and just, they just do the thing. I've never or used they this. feel they want. pissed yeah, off like, by it. Because <laughs> it's like, okay, I want to play a cool, you know, elf, but I want to live underground and feel a little bit, you know, different. But do I have to be evil? I don't want to have to be an evil drow. Right. But I guess that's just an exception. <laughs> and then now I feel like I'm just copying Dritzt. And, yep. uh, yeah. you know, it's just not not a good feeling. <laughs> all right, Logan, tell us how you really feel about alignment. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> just come around for all of our shows, man. We get into it. Like, we just talk about all kinds of we, crap. We do. Oh, yeah, Anybody yeah, else yeah. Uh, uh, and pro or con on alignment? I, I mean, I'm I pro alignment. I don't give a I'll, shit. I'll do it. I'll go out on that limb. I I would say I am mostly pro alignment. I don't expect any of my players to strictly adhere to what it says on their character right. sheet. But when they hand it to me, it gives me a very simple baseline of how I think their character is going to be played, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. if somebody hands me a chaotic neutral sheet, I know, oh yeah, they're they're gonna be a little off the wall. But if, I, I don't expect them to be chaotic neutral at all times. Right. In in, in that case, why not just sub it for a char- a, a a list of characteristics right. to yeah. choose from? Exactly. Yeah, love that like monster exactly of the week exactly style. Right that mm-hmm. give yeah. that gives me a better idea of how a person is well, than if they're yeah. On the and to go back chaotic. to the rules as written within D anD D, there wasn't a choice for that. If you Correct. are, yeah. You know, lawful good, you are lawful good. Like mm-hmm. saying you right. are human. Like it is intrinsic in you. It's not a morality choice. You are a thing. So when you go kill the evil wizard, it's because they're evil. Right. That's right. why all goblins are evil because it's intrinsic in them, which again is a huge <laughs> racial slur issue. Like that's not right. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. I've never played at a table that does it like that, but that is technically right. how it's written. And that's. But, yeah. in my opinion. I think D&D has <laughs> always faced that. I've, I've played most editions of D&D since AD&D. Me too. And uh, I find that the compelling of characters to be heroic is at constant odds with the more uh, high-brained, maybe all orcs aren't evil kind of thing. Because you see it used so frequently is uh okay there's a pack of orcs it's like all right <laughs> cool uh, well they're doing evil things well what are they doing they're sitting around a fire stoking it like like how do you get them to attack orcs and alignment used to be a way of doing that right like right. like you said you're lawful good so you are out there to take out evil that's your job um but then they went through and they said okay well evil doesn't necessarily mean evil we're not talking you know satanism upside down crosses and stuff like that we're talking about uh, evil as a a form of selfishness right like it it, Mm. evil and good became a reflection of just someone's uh mindfulness right do you care about others or do you care about yourself and so that's transformed over the years with alignment. But I like using it the old way where 
I frequently have alignment-based artifacts and alignment-based quests mm, yeah, and alignment-based things like that. But alignment only works if everyone's using it and everyone consents, right? Like, well, if yeah. you realize yeah. what it is. I had a a barbarian in in one of my home games, and I gave her a an evil sword. You had to be evil to use this sword. And she wanted to use this sword so bad, she became evil. Yeah. Like, she just started doing evil things. See, now that is interesting, that because was... that's compelling to a storyline. Right. Because it's, you have options. Yeah. Right. And I... right, but if I said, you you pick up this sword, now you're evil, which is how it used to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes exactly. a cursed object would just change your just alignment. Just change you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or you went into a city, and you saw someone being hung, and you cut them yeah. down, knee-jerk reaction. You, we don't hang people around here, but then that guy was an evil necromancer. Boom! Now you are evil, or at what least you've I gone done? from good to neutral. Anakin, you know? what have I done? <laughs> exactly, yeah, I mean, exactly, yeah. exactly. And you've you have those changed. changes that aren't necessarily consent-based. Like, yes, the mm -hmm. player did it, but they didn't necessarily do it knowing that it was going to change their alignment. And then maybe now they can't use their shield because it's a good shield. Right. Um, so it's definitely been used both positively and negatively in the past. I, I personally love it. I use it all the time, well, but you have to remind yeah. people of it. I feel like you can I, and accomplish that's the thing. that. Like, I might complain about it, but I use it also. Yeah. I've had some really cool moments with that. And it's nice to, like you said, have something where they can say their personality traits before the game starts. I feel like uh, with experience... Character... Go ahead, Logan. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, I feel like with experienced players, you you kind of we kind of do this stuff naturally, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I, I'm going to like my character better have a transformation, or if there's some compelling part of the story, you know, just being lawful good, that's not challenging or me mm -hmm. fun as a character with a character I'm playing. If it's not challenged, right? right. So exactly. like just right. me being like, oh, I'm lawful good, you know, I'm going to do that, you know, personally. I, you know, I wouldn't play my character like that. I would play it like, hey, you know, how would, based on the events that have happened up prior, you know, coming up from the story from where we are to where it's built to this, have I changed from yeah. that original alignment? Exactly, know, right. yeah. Um, and, you know, I think for as a guide, it's a good starting point, but your character yeah. should experience those changes as the, the story changes. And, as the story yeah. goes on, yeah. And that's something that we expected to come out of these, you know, webcasts with, jcraw and with these new unearthed arcana and the new rules coming out where everyone expected that alignment was going away and mm. and a lot of those things were resulting around race about orcs being evil and, and things like that and i do like that now that there's orc there's not half orc you know you can just be an orc which i've always wondered why they didn't just have orcs anyway but that was because all orcs had to be evil right um right so i think that they didn't do enough to detach it. I th I think it's cool that they have you know humanoids with animal heads like neat. yeah they get wings. It replaces yeah. uh, Azmar, which were kind of boring. Um, it's furry panda. I have yeah. never seen anyone play an Azmar. I played an Azmar paladin and I really enjoyed it. It was fun, but it it's just you know uh, I always like doing self imposed. Uh, disabilities, right? Well, so, exactly. Those are fun. Mm, Those negatives yeah. are neat. Right. You know? So yeah. it says in the book that, you know, Azamar's slightly glow, and I was playing Strahd, where it's just dark all oh, the time. Oh, God. <laughs> and I, I was a oh, beacon man. in the night, and I had to, you know, play that that disability off, I and I love, I love that. doing that. Yeah. That's but so much fun. The wrong oh, player great. doesn't really enjoy that, right. you know? Right. So Yeah, yeah the wrong yeah. group, too. I mean, if you're, you know... And a group, for sure. the group matters because if you're going to, that's why all this stuff is so individualized. Like even as much as we yeah. go through and break all this down and parse it out, like we're all going to run the game for the people that we want and the game that they right. want. And that it's going to look way different than whatever one D and D, you know, it's a framework for us to build outside of. Yeah. My, one D and D won't be the end all be all yeah. for D and D, but it's no. working towards that. No, and it's, it's trying a, to listen. It's made some great change. And I, I think the, the point that was made earlier about D&D &D Next, I think it is really good because it, it's making it, though it needs to be wider, where you tend to, especially in RPGs and tabletop and video games, everything in, I guess, nerd culture, I would say, it tends to reward the loudest voices, where D&D &D Next really yes. 
strove to embrace everyone. And and now that they have D&D Beyond and other ways of getting to people, yeah. but it's a very different player, the one that is cruising a forum on the differences between alignment right. and the player that just mm-hmm. wants to be a paladin, right? right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And getting that be a paladin guy's voice is so important and I think that these are direct results of that, of you have people that played 4th edition and loved math, or, you know, all these different 3rd um, edition people that, that really like the the tight, technical ways of playing that isn't reflected in the wider player base. And right. you can play it that way, but, it, I mean, I use the same thing every time where... People are like, oh, well, D&D doesn't do this. And I'm like, yeah, but something does. Like, go out there and play it, right? D&D yeah. doesn't need to yeah. be <laughs> right. the one for everything. And I wish more people played other variants. We actually recently mm-hmm. uh, got contacted by a, a game distributor, and he wants us to try out new versions of RPGs and new versions of different things. Ooh. And I love that. I would strive for that. The problem is, how do you sit down and teach someone these rules mm. so quickly that they can actually get to a place where they play. Yeah. Well, you have and to play that game so many times that you can shorthand it enough that, that you feel comfortable yeah. with it, which exactly. takes a lot of time to develop. Right. It. Yeah. It's right. I mean, that's the biggest and, roadblock and as for me a, learning new game yeah. is that, you know, personally, I only have a certain amount of capacity to remember information evolving around, you know, revolving around this tabletop game. You know, D and D takes right. up so much headspace that the amount of time it would take me to learn uh, these other, you know, you know, maybe like one or two that are similar, yeah, you could pick up pretty quick. But you know, to learn like ten different systems, uh, honestly, know. the similarities make it harder in some ways. Yeah, like how I many agree. times, uh, you know, Nick, do you, oh, yeah, do you pull out you with an old rule from an old edition? You're like, yeah, this is how it works, and then later on, you look at you're like, oh wait, that's not in five E. Shit, I told you I like <laughs> new players. <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you don't have that mental yeah. gear shift where you know, like, okay, I'm playing Powered by the Apocalypse, and I know that yep. right. I just need my stack of D6s, and you're not getting picked up. That right, mm-hmm. right. Oh yeah, and it, I mean, it's good and bad. Like D and D is kind of a Ouroboros, like it, it eats itself to a certain degree, but it, the rules that it changes always are going to ostracize, you know, somebody's play Somebody. style. But yeah. hopefully, they are opening up to so many new players. And the reason that I like Five E, I don't love it, I like it, is because someone can sit down and play it in fifteen minutes, and yes. it's just so easy yeah. to teach. And I find oftentimes it's so obvious that once you explain, okay, you get an action, a bonus action, a reaction and movement, um, that's it. Like that's, they're like, okay, well, occasionally you'll say, well, what does swinging from a chandelier count as? Well, you know, you can spend your action to, to, to do that. Uh, or you can just spend your movement if you do it a certain way, you know? So it's it's more on the obvious side and it's also like you said the rule of cool it's rulings not rules yep it can just be mm-hmm. yeah you can swing from a chandelier cool it doesn't break the game yeah and that's the and art that's of dming huge. exactly that is, you know that's yeah. the art of what we do is that yeah. you know, once yeah. it once you get those new players uh you know you're just i think the games that we run personally uh at adventures on that but also like my home game um Nick and Ryder and my game, and we share a couple other. Uh, and I think the the highest point of our play is when I'm just sitting back and arbitrating. Uh, yep, you know, yep. I'm letting you guys go and you know do all the things you want. Do what you do. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And I just yeah. it's it's gaming for the sense of yeah. And then I stick it in. You know, I stick my opinion in, or you know, where I where it's needed as we go and make a ruling and try and keep the game progressing. Yeah, Fergus put together a good group in that most of us are DMs. Um, so <laughs> when you play with a bunch of DMs at the table, I'm surprised Ferg can get a, a word in edgewise. Um, because <laughs> we're always just going back and forth and trying to get us on a common thought is the hardest part. Uh, not whether or not we're role-playing, because we can't turn it off. Yeah. So yeah, definitely exactly. depends that's, on the group. That's why... I... 
Yeah, that's why I love playing with these guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're all the, we're all the same way. We're all GMs here. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I I also really like um, that there's no more speed penalty for being little. Uh, gnomes <laughs> and halflings are now thirty foot speed. As a as a halfling myself, uh, not in real life, but <laughs> I play one any chance I can. Um, <laughs> I I really love that I'm no longer five feet slower than everyone else just because I got wee legs. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's one of those you could bring up as a a thing for long journeys. You know, starting attacks you, but in a combat oh, situation, sure. which is what speed modifiers are made for. Yes. Uh, it doesn't make sense because often the little legs can pound faster than the big legs. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that, 100. I think that's great. Yep. Yeah, I've I've always found that some of those rules, um, that you question whether it be alignment or whether it be speed of race or anything like that, it always comes down to well, in this situation, it's like yeah, but yep. <laughs> come on, yeah. I don't know. Uh, anytime, I also think, based on these rules, it looks like it's going a lot more theater of the mind and less, you know, battle grid, which I like. Um, that's nice. just the vibe that I got from it. Yeah. Which I use a battle grid. I use minis. I love that. Um, but that's mostly just the '90s kid in me and yeah. McDonald toys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I. I mean, hello. If you got the toys, you want to play with them. Come on now. Yeah. Exactly. Or if oh, you yeah. don't have the toys and you 100%. see somebody else has the toys, you want to play those with those toys. too. Yeah. You want to play know? with those too. Yep. Right. From so my background, I think it's pretty cool. From my background, uh, you know, working in schools, doing some of that stuff, uh, I like to have both at my disposal just because I realize that some people, in the same way that you learn, some people experience yeah. the same things different ways. So, um, so like for instance, in my original group, uh, when I lived back in Ohio, um, you know, my I could do theater over the mind. My my uh, DM at the time was big on theater of their mind, uh, but one of the other players at our table, like he, his his gameplay was so much better in terms of like how quick he reacted when he had a vision. Um, yeah, so like right. it, it, it was just and like to me, I was like, you know, it felt like setting up a map and doing all these things and getting characters out was slowing it down, uh, you know. But in reality, it was what he needed for himself to not only like be more efficient in the game uh but to have yeah. more fun too like his fun was directly connected to having that visual uh you know stimulus there for him to be able to interact with you know make his 110 percent. all of our brains think differently there's a diversity in yeah. in you know your neurological wiring and like that helps to keep people on the same page and i I'm with you 100% on that because I, I like both versions. I like being able to play with both. Uh, mm -hmm. But I hate when someone gets snooty about it one direction right. or the other. Oh, theater of the right. mind is so much better. It's like, well, yes, but no, because that doesn't always work for people. And if you're describing yeah. one sort of thing and you start trying to think about like space and relational uh, explanations, I am so far from so-and-so, people start really losing track and yep. trying to keep, you know, like all the balls in the air juggling in their mind where that orc is behind a box 30 feet from me as opposed to the troll who is another 10 <laughs> feet beyond that. And right. 16 degrees to the right is another guy around a corner <laughs> where you heard maybe the summoning of magic. You're not really sure. And now you're right. just starting to get like this soup of colors yeah. and mashing that you're not quite sure where things are. And then instead, when it comes around to your turn, you've forgotten what the explanation is. So it needs to be said again. Eh, that doesn't always help people, you know, in certain yeah. scenes, it's really nice to have that theater of mind. So you can just flow with it. But when you have to think about it a little more technically, less so. Yep. It's it's I think it's really based on how you play. Right. Yeah. So as a table where there's always those super technical people and they're going to want to know how many uh, feet I am from somebody exactly. Right. Or something like that. And it's like, does it matter? Yeah. Well, to them, it does. Right. And I find that theater of the mind people and you know battle map people both tend to benefit from a battle map being there yep. uh whereas the opposite is true if you go theater of the right. mind i think i think that's yeah, yeah. that's the difference is are you going to make battle map where you have to measure every single inch and foot and whatever else not or are right. you using it for representation and it's like yeah that's close enough you can slide behind that box oh. right and yeah. I like yeah. seeing battle mats with, and something I use frequently is battle mats without grids. Um, yeah. yep. Where you put it on there, 
and it yeah five feet sure that's close um yeah i'm a a war gamer yeah probably i do i do a lot of warhammer and a lot of other stuff you know like that and uh, oh i'm I'm sorry i paint miniatures (laughs) i do all kinds of stuff and uh you know, like I prefer something without a grid because if you want, you can measure it and it makes it look more immersive. You're not right. thinking about it being on this grid. It actually feels more like a real map and I can pull out all my terrain and buildings and, you know, like, yeah. It's funny yeah. that you say I prefer it without a grid so I can measure it. <laughs> like that's, no, that's it's the, because then again, it's, it's the whole you know, point. The grid exists when they so measure. you don't and have to measure, gets, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the idea. Yeah. Right. And when I play without a grid, there's not a, there's not a ruler in sight. Right, it it's more to lean it towards the rule of cool, Fair. so that somebody isn't oh well I've got twenty five feet because I'm a halfling and that guy is thirty five feet away I can do nothing on my turn, whereas yeah. if they say hey can I reach that guy I say mm, yeah sure <laughs> yeah. why not everyone <laughs> why can not? reach the guy yeah, yeah. and I don't that go way I don't go what's your speed right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That are like, oh, a strong wind blows in. Yeah, you can reach him now. Like, <laughs> right? Whatever it takes to make people have fun, I think Theater Absolutely. of the Mind is easier for that because it you can, can be. change things on a dime, but it's so much work on the DM mm-hmm. and their descriptions. Yeah. So well, and that mm-hmm. that work on the DM often becomes rote, and you start repeating the same descriptions. Exactly. And that no, you're five draining. feet from that guy. Oh no, you're yeah. ten feet from. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of that. Uh, agreed upon battle map of yeah this is the state of things when so and so moves everyone can see that they move and they don't have to keep it in their brains with right, everything right. else that that colorful soup mm-hmm. that you mentioned um <laughs> makes a makes a huge huge difference it does all right gents one last thing i think i think we could talk about here before we wrap things up i found a question out on the internet there um because we talked a lot about characters today, and I thought we would. Uh, what's the most unique take you've seen on a typical fantasy race? And without putting anybody on the spot, I'll start first. Don't you worry about it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a game called Simbarum. If you don't know it, it is a kind of dark fantasy uh, adventure type game. Uh, and there, there's you could you could play a changeling, which is really unique in this context because um, the elves of this world would steal a human child and replace them with an elf child. Okay. Thus, the changelings over generations, the changelings were created this way. So like hags, and kind of yeah, or like classic but it's, Irish mythos, you know, of changelings and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh, it gives it that that more uh, mythological feeling rather than yeah. just the high fantasy feeling. Okay, that's cool. That's the one I found. Yeah, that's who that's wants pretty- who wants to, who wants to go next? I'll go next. Um, so I personally I love Lord of the Rings, right? I love everything that was set up in that, but I'm so tired of seeing that just, you know, rinse and repeat. The fact that everyone thinks of dwarves as short bearded men mm-hmm. or everyone thinks of, you know, elves yeah. as hoity toity, pale skinned um, jerks. Um, it, it gets really old. Um, so I really <laughs> like new RPGs and new uh, especially video games, I feel like do this really well, where um, race becomes less of a, uh, a a construct for for skepticism and a contract a construct for um, stereotypes, and more just a facet of what you look like. Uh, especially in video games, where you can like pick different races, and it's just the same uh, mm-hmm. experience either way. I like that, um, but. I was talking earlier about Spire. It's an RPG I've been trying to get into, and unfortunately, good lord, that is a DM-heavy lift if you want to get into Spire, because you really have to know... um, You have to know everything. Um, It's like Blades in the Dark, where it's so tied in with its own ethos and its own story that it makes playing the game difficult if you don't know that story, and especially adjudicating that game. So Spire is about a a giant uh, 
skyscraper, essentially, in the middle of a wasteland. And it is, uh, have you seen that, like, what is it, the Abu Dhabi uh, linear city now? Just imagine a whole city mm-hmm. into the sky. And every level is a different ecosystem, like, literally. A yeah. different biome, a different oh, interesting. government, a different... And you will be operating... An entire campaign can take place across one or two levels of this thousand-level spire. And each one is set out. You know, it's not like Forgotten Realms where anything could exist. It's like, this is what this level is. Um, And it's all set out ahead of time. But they have these super greedy kind of uh, arrogant elves that take it to the point of absurdity which i really enjoy um so they're not just like hoity-toity elves they are so they're arrogant to their own demise uh and i really enjoy that kind of take on it and then (laughs) uh the best part is the other people in the game the the peasants the the people on the ground you're part of a resistance kind of thing um they're also elves they've just been crapped on for years uh so they're literally different because they've lived different uh, lifestyles and i really like that um that approach of the the environment that they're in shapes them far more than the the color of their skin or the the pointiness of their ears kind of thing yeah. but yeah that's yeah. just me and then one quick uh thing <laughs> you mentioned the the hag style uh swapping out kids my favorite thing for one of my mm-hmm. home players was they heard that someone was 13 years old a girl was 13 years old in one of the games that they were playing, and they went full detective trying to figure out about this random NPC, because <laughs> in D&D, when a hag replaces a child, it turns into a hag at 13 on its 13th birthday. And I had done that trope so many times in my home game campaigns that this player was super keyed off to the fact that anytime anyone <laughs> turned 13, it was bad. And oh, it was hilarious nice. because she derailed the entire game hunting down this random NPC's family and like verifying her existence. It was great. <laughs> oh yeah, man. That was nice. Me. Who's next? Uh, I guess I will continue the let's talk about elves radio hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of magic, the gathering. Ugh. And uh, for those, that, yeah, go on, go on. I understand. Honestly, I feel that way about myself for playing magic too. A lot of the time. There you go. But for those of you who are not familiar with magic, uh, each set takes place on a different planet, a different plane of existence. And almost all of them have elves. And I'm a really big fan of how elves are depicted in uh, the Lorwyn set, which, of course, takes place on the plane of Lorwyn, where I think we're used to in a lot of popular media, of course, elves are depicted as kind of hoity-toity and high and mighty, and they believe themselves superior to everything. But the elves on Lorwyn uh, take it to a different kind of extreme where they are very in tune with nature and living naturally, but what they love about nature is the natural beauty of everything, of how perfect everything falls into place with everything else in creation. So they have an uh, overwhelming hatred of everything that they perceive as not being beautiful. So they will go out of their way to exterminate, like, ogres on this particular plane because because they're not they're not beautiful sorry you're they ugly refer to them i'm going to mean girl you today. yeah yeah exactly That's you hilarious. are you are not pretty so therefore i must kill you uh which is really interesting and also the physicality of the elves on lorwyn is really cool they're like they are kind of servine and how they're designed they have hooves and they're very spindly and they have these big beautiful antlers and if you are outcast from elf society they like they chop your antlers off dang mm. oh man that's fun. vicious thank you for the word of the day on servine <laughs> servine well done servine servine being defined as having qualities similar to a deer oh. yeah. there we go. i'm gonna add that to the arsenal now you know Thanks. um right. yeah so i guess um I mean, I'll hit on just a few real quick, but um, one of one of the DMs that we've had for a while, and uh, Ryder and I play in his own game, um, Manny. 
think he does an excellent job breaking these like tropes where these fantasy oh, yeah. races, uh, you know, have we haven't penciled in that they act certain ways and do that stuff. And he has brought some really unique viewpoints um, to just races in general. Um, you know, he spends so much time on. He does. Too, he does. And oh my god, the time that man writes. Yeah. Manny literally never stops writing. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, hey, man, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to go write for <laughs> yeah, four and a half hours. Yeah. But, you know, he, he does a really good yeah. job on that. And so, like, I can't I can't thumb one specific example of what it is, but because it just it just comes off so immersive when we're when we're playing. Um, But I think, yeah, he makes it feel like it's not a subversive version of it. It is just its own version. Yeah. And I think that's the power of it, is he makes it so believable, he puts so much thought into it. I agree, Ferg. His are crazy. Yeah, I think I think one of the most recent ones that he did, um, and he'll correct me if he listens, um, but he had a, he had a play <laughs> on the Knolls where... The, uh, Ryder, do you remember this one at all? I feel like I'm going to butcher it and he's going to be so mad at me. Oh, it, they... Yeah, I think I know what you're thinking of. They have some sort of empathetic link to the yeah. matriarchs of the given tribe. I don't know if that's like codifying the rules. I'm unfortunately, I'm not I think it was, I think, okay. I, I think I got it now. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he, it, there was, there was this connection to the matriarch of these Noel clans. Um, and I think as it's written like raw and like monster manual, it's the connection to, um, uh, Yiganu. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, it's, they're, they're basically these, these bloodthirsty demons, right? along with that um i think i think he had it so that one of these one of his npcs and his one shot had kind of stumbled upon this that 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 link was no longer there and that the matriarch had had been kind of living on link with this um you know the past relations of this demonic uh connection between Knowles, you know their their demon lord uh and the story kind of revolved around that that Noel having to make the choice then of being um, physically bound to the matriarch, but also knowing that the matriarch was uh, the reason for kind of their existence on this continued path of a typical bloodthirsty thing. So that was a really cool flip of the of Noel script, where you know, and then now I think his going forward and uh one of his his like whole world that he's built is that gnolls are now different they're now the null when the null broke that link with the matriarch all gnolls be- became kind of freed from bond um so that was nice. a pretty cool That's thing fun. and then i guess the the only other one that i've seen and we don't have to talk about it but again it's more elf pandering uh <laughs> I like it when I I like the take uh, on elves being almost alien because they really are right. Yeah, I mean you know they live for thousands of years. Uh, they don't you know they reproduce differently. They're basically so far removed from anything that's considered quote unquote natural, even in a fantasy a fantasy yeah. world. That you know instead of them being like these beacons of because uh, I guess I guess that's how I feel like elves are normally portrayed. That you know, elves are the uphold. They uphold everything that meant to be upheld in the world, right? All the good. They're the arbiters uh, uh, on behalf of the world, right? You know, yeah. And and even you know, there's animosity from like you know, just going based you know, solely based off of cult stuff, right? There's animosity that is there, but they're almost revered. Uh, I like I yeah. like that in some other cases that I've seen games played where they have been considered like more alien than natural. That there was a fear and a certain set of reverberation. Word, uh, <laughs> but it is now. <laughs> but you know now that now <laughs> elves are now disconnected yeah. from we'll that typical it. trope of the revered upholders of everything to like treated as alien. And that's yeah. a really cool take. Just really something simple on how elves could interact with uh, your particular world that I've like. 
I think that's what I like most about D&D is that, I mean, they've had some problematic, you know, race origins in the past, and they're fixing some of those now. But um, because it was Forgotten Realms, because it was, you know, anything is possible, you as a DM, you didn't have to do that heavy lift of knowing everything that is in the lore of elves in order to make an elf or to role play an elf where some of these other RPGs, especially the more in depth storytelling RPGs, um, you'd be doing a disservice to not know the, the culture of, of the race that you're playing or something like that. And that's both good and bad. Like if that's what everyone's out to, to do is that tell be a lot of fun, but that can also story. Take a Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it also kind of gives you a role playing cage too. Right. Which some people need, some people need the walls there mm-hmm. to know like, okay, I'm, I'm operating within my bounds. Um, and I feel like I'm doing a good job versus, Oh, I'm just going to be whatever I want to be and hope the players around me like it. Right. Yeah. All right. So who would like to talk about their favorite elves next? Well, if we're going to go on the elves thing, uh, I, I liked Matt Colville's Santa um, uh, focus on elves. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Matt Colville. Matt he does a lot of uh, uh, different D&D content, and he's got some... Um, I just got his second there. book in the mail yesterday. Yay! Yay. Yeah, he's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. I haven't gotten mine yet. I'm waiting. I have both of them now. They're great. Nice. Um, but he has a very alien focus for his elves. He wants them to feel very alien, and they almost have like a, a bug-like quality oh. when he's described them. He really over-accentuates like how they look, um, with the the very extended, you know, oversized eyes and uh, extended ears, and he tries to lean into that alienness. Yeah. And uh, he he did a um a game with uh in fourth edition with a bunch of. Uh, friends and basically other D&D content creators. Uh, and he had two elf players in there. One was a high elf, one was a wood elf, and they were very different on how they did things. And yeah. one was very much looking at, you know, how humans cultivate animals and just thought that was, like, bullshit and stupid. Yeah. And the other one, yeah. as a high elf, was like, yeah, I, I, I absorb beauty, and so it's like, uh, you know, sitting with the sun on my face is how I get my nutrients, and that sort of thing. Like, it was very uh, cool. Like, they <laughs> try to lean into yeah. that alienness. But aside from elves, I'm going to change it. Uh, I, I had three callouts. Uh, I'll go with uh, uh, in a, a traditional system, uh, a full system that does something different, and then a friend's personal take that I loved. So a uh, traditional system, I loved the halflings in Eberron of D&D because uh, they ride on little beasts and they're little freaking cannibals. And uh, that's just hilarious to me about cannibal halflings uh, riding oh, on yeah. dinosaurs and shit. Like that just just cracked me up when everything else is like steampunk trains and magic tech, you know, flying ships. And you got these little cannibal halflings that are just insane. Um, though I'll take that back. I, I know they ride on beasts in Nebron, but I might be confusing them also with the halflings from dark sun, but the cannibal yeah, I thing. think you are. Yep. But... There we go. Okay. I love them both. As I want to so. put them both together. So anyway, um, and then a call out to a fun system, uh, the burn bright system which was created and developed for Roll20, by Roll20, whatever else not, is a... Oh, yeah, we talked about that at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. It's a, yeah. a kind of uh, magic-is-technology, end-of-the-universe kind of sci-fi? Magic-fi? I don't know. It's, you know, it's it's very interesting, like, uh, take on, on in general roleplay. But all of the races they have in there are very unique. Uh, you can be a pile of sentient worms that forms itself into a humanoid shape, and you can be, you know, uh, a connected bunch of energy. And they have some more, you know, traditional stuff like that too. But they just they tried to make, you know, even though it's a sci-fi focus, they try to make nothing that seemed like a normal sci-fi game, which was really neat. So okay. I highly really suggest cool. you check that out if you're looking out for some interesting things. Final one: um, I play a lot of Star Wars. I run a lot of Star Wars, particularly in the Fantasy Flight setting. And a friend of mine was running a game, and he had an NPC in there that uh, was a Gamorian that was a helper for kind of like our patron. Uh, but the Gamorian, uh, if you aren't familiar with Gamorians, they are the pig creatures you see in um, a lot of Star Wars. The Return of the Jedi yeah. in Jabba's Palace, you got these, you know, big uh, fat Farts. pig guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of like space orcs, really. Uh, pigs and horns, and they're just like beefy. Yeah. And he described this guy as being so built and so muscular that we just ended up calling him Arnold Schwarzenegger-Gamorian, and uh, that's stuck, uh, because he wanted to have an athletically fit Gamorian, 
as opposed to being, you know, a fat Gamorrean. And it was really funny. It, it worked a out really well. Bodybuilder Gamorrean? Yeah. Yep. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I love those little things, those little nuances with, uh, you know, changing up those. Anytime you can put a little spin on that, you, you know, you don't have to redefine the entire uh, race. But, you know, if you do something like that, like I have the muscular Gamorrean or, you know, yeah. the, um, yeah. You know, there's so many examples. Like I had, like I played the uh, reformed uh, orc barbarian. Um, so right. like you know, it was you know as much as he, as much as you know, the multi class in the druid, and as much as he tried to be different, uh, he would still like fight, fight, fight. And it was it wasn't until he had to that he would enter like his barbarian race. Um, right. So anytime you flip the script like that is just. It's just yeah, so much fun. Any counterculture. Well, it's always fun to put your own little touches on whatever character you're playing. Like, in we brought up Manny earlier in Manny's campaign. I'm playing a bugbear, but I describe him as uh, like rail thin, willow thin. He looks like a scarecrow. Yeah. As opposed to the normal bugbears that are like, you know, big, Ooh. beefy monsters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that happens anytime you, you create a box like D&D does, though. Where you're like, okay, well, this is what bugbears are. And then you're like, yeah, but what if they weren't? And that gives you so much creativity. And then the players, like with all plans, go, but I have a different idea. Right. (laughs) And I love fostering that. Like, I know Ferg does as well, just in the campaign of his that I'm in, where he... He's so uh, open to those ideas. It's like, yeah, why why does it need to be that way? And so oftentimes when you're making a campaign or making a character for somebody's campaign in any setting, you're like, oh, well, what are gnomes like in your setting and something like that? And I love when it's the opposite, where it's, okay, I'm a gnome and this is how I am. And then they're like, okay, well, some cities are like that, some cities aren't, you know, and it affects the world, which is, I think, the power behind role-playing games is that you can do things like that on the fly even and it it can make such a huge impact especially as a player experiencing it you were talking about callbacks earlier um and being able to say oh yeah no please keep talking and that's how they're going to be now in the game um i i love seeing that i love doing that and having a reflection of either things like that that the player are doing it's like that in the world or it's the opposite and they are weird because of it um depending on which they want it to be but yeah that's always fun yep all right we got one more mark yeah uh i i'm gonna cheat a little bit because i don't think this game is technically out yet but i kickstarted it It better be about elves (laughs) (laughs) well Tiny, it's about Elvis. Um, ooh, <laughs> hey, there you go. Oh. Um, you didn't say TM, actually, I'm stealing it. <laughs> uh, it's actually called Household. And it and the races in this are all tiny folk. Fairies, sprites, those sorts of things. And the entire adventure takes place within a, uh, a Victorian house. And each of these ooh. little races have set up a kingdom in a different room <laughs> of this house. I and love that. So it, it, it kind of takes on the flavor of whichever room that race has That's established awful. their kingdom. Uh, Mark, Mark, sorry, why, what did, why, what did you say? Why have we not heard about this, bro? Why did I hear? Why, yeah, wait, this why this am I just now hearing about this, Mark? This right have, have I not shared? I, oh, I'll, I'll, my God, you're fired. I thought for sure. I, I don't have that. <laughs> I have uh, not heard about this, Mark. <laughs> it's, it, it's by the same people that uh, created uh, Broken Compass. Uh, if you're familiar oh, with that uh... game. We've played it on the game. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an Italian company that put this together and it's uh yeah it's just a really kind of neat twist and uh it's like yeah, honey you guys shrunk the yeah. kids meet uh you know faith fantasy yeah. <laughs> yeah. right yeah 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 exactly well when your kickstarter comes in in two years come over <laughs> and uh we'll play yeah. it at an aot event absolutely there you go. awesome awesome <laughs> yes because that sounds fun. absolutely <laughs> damn kickstarters i still have ones roll in that i'm like oh I backed that, huh? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Whoops. <laughs> I, I got a yeah. few that I'm, I'm, you know, many years in the waiting. Oh, yeah. I had a, a plastic obsession for a while where, you know, I would just get these giant games that came in with a metric ton of gray plastic that needed painted. Yep. And yep. 
man, nothing is more daunting to me. I have a friend that was like teaching me how to paint minis and he's, I think he said, uh, slay some gray every day or something was his, (laughs) uh, motto. His motto, his mantra. Yeah. Yeah. That's Todd. He's one of our DMS. He's an excellent painter. Um, and he's a very harsh judge of my my painting <laughs> skills, but he's very good. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sl- I'm slowly getting through that Dark Souls RPG or, or, or board game. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. All the, all those little tiny gray. Plastic Have you guys pieces. seen the Kingdom Death one? Oh my god! Oh my so, god! Yes. I've wanted to hop on oh, Kingdom man. Death so oh, much. It's just so it, expensive. It's gorgeous. And so limited edition. Yeah. It's very very it pretty, but it's like, yeah, I got enough plastic haunting me. Right, <laughs> and then you have to paint it, and they're so gorgeous that you're like, I can't I'm gonna ruin it. I don't want to fuck it. I don't want to fuck it up. But you're gonna, gonna fuck it up, and yeah. then you can just strip it yeah. and repaint it. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. yeah that's oh fair. wow. Yeah. yeah, that same friend oh, man, Todd. Chance. He he will buy like um, uh, a crappy version of uh, what's that? really popular zombie game zombicide mm-hmm. right? oh yeah, yeah. He'll, pa- mm. he'll paint it all and then he'll he'll uh like sell it painted and i'm like man that's uh, a yeah, really yeah. good idea but it's so much painting yeah and you'd be amazed what people <laughs> that's, the part, wait, that's the part that's the part i don't like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah you, you pay three yeah. times the price for a painted version or more you know oh easily, easily. Yeah. more oh, than yeah, that absolutely. yeah that's yeah. like those dwarven well, forge things they're gorgeous but they're what four times the price if you buy them painted oh yeah and then i know if i buy them unpainted they're never going to get painted so, yeah, <laughs> chaos. Same with 3D printing. I thought that was the solution. And then I started 3D printing no. things, and wouldn't you know it, they print gray. Thank God <laughs> I, I definitely made my saving throw on that one, and I was like, no, that's another hobby to get into just yeah. on itself, and I don't need to have more reasons to collect, like, STL files, like a hoarder, and then keep printing more things, then I have more plastic stacking yeah. up. I have a lot of miniatures. Uh, so Sperg and I <laughs> yeah. are both probably blushing right now from you saying you made that saving throw we failed yes yeah uh, no, i failed, I failed that i've made don't get me wrong yeah, but we, that one yeah. was one i made we oh, natty yes. one though that was not good we've yeah. we've been struggling with these damn 3d printers and i i think i started in january trying to 3d print and uh don't have much space in the house right so i've got one space that is both the 3d printing place and the the painting place and the yep. dice making place and the you know insert hobby here place mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so something for me to paint the thing that i print i have to move all of the the 3d printing stuff to paint it and so that just means it never gets mm, painted right and i just yeah. now used something in one of my campaigns that i printed like the, this is the first time i painted something and used it uh after six months of struggling with the 3d printer it's been great Congratulations. But it feels so good, yeah. doesn't it? It didn't, actually. It <laughs> yeah. did. It's just this constant reminder. I look at it with such disdain. I'm like, oh, I want to kill it. But yeah. That's hilarious. It's been great. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, gents, we've talked about a lot today. I'm sure <laughs> we, we will talk about much, much more after this. But the episode is like two episodes <laughs> so i might break it into two who knows i mean there was an easy cutoff point so. cool. aot part yeah. one and part two yeah, yeah. absolutely sure. yeah hey yeah. more content the better right everything is content point, we're right? happy to help yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we if you well, put a microphone well, on us we just make content that's that's like what, generally how it oh, works yeah. yeah we do yeah good. We might good. invite you guys to the studio more often <laughs> sure, we'd love, to meet. Um, love to be back Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. but um, if yeah, if you want to find out more about these guys, go go check out their website. Yeah, plug that again. Instagram, aotorlando.com. Yeah, check out our Instagram and our Discord from there, and it's a good time. Come out to one of our events. We play every month, and uh, it's fifteen dollars for a ticket, and you get a, a prize raffle from there, and that's for six to eight hours of play sometimes, and uh, usually six hours of play. And uh, sometimes 12, depending on who you're sitting with. (laughs) What was that? Sometimes it's sometimes it's 12 hours, depending on who you're sitting with. Yeah, we did mention (laughs) Manny before. Uh, We are moving him to a consent based matrix where people uh, have to (laughs) say, yes, I'm down to uh, break my butt for 12 hours to play this game. But his games are always way deeper and more interesting than mine. But yeah, we say six to eight hours and I just start like, uh, like. My head just starts shaking. 
<laughs> that's way too long. Oh, yeah. Even six <laughs> hours is is just too. Even much. six is. I hit that's five and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. starting to get sluggish. It helps with beer and pizza. It's true. Just getting old. Like but. we we. We always have, we're always at a brewery and yeah, we make sure that there's going to be a food option as well. So that tends nice. to make it go a little bit better, but breweries aren't known for their comfortable seating either. So <laughs> no, we're working on that. Yeah. No, they are not. Yeah. But it is fun. Yeah. We we have no complaints over the amount of time because people tend to leave when they, when they can. So that's yeah. right. Yeah. It's a good time. Well, awesome. You guys, uh, it's been a blast. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for joining yeah, us for sure. on an episode. It's always fun to meet new people and make new friends. For sure. Yes. We're going to have to steal and, Mark uh, from you for one of our events. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to come yeah. in. Mark. Hell, I'm, I, might need to, I might need to plan a trip and, and, and go and stay down there. Uh, yeah, for, I was thinking that. I was like, huh, that sounds like it'd be a fun time. Room. I can't do beer because it's gluten intolerant, but I'm sure you'll find something. Oh, no, we got whatever. cider options yeah. usually. Woot. Nice. We're good. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Start planning the trip. <laughs> or the you can just family. be farty. You know, that happens too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. We, we have know, our that's, people. That's what I do every day anyway. There you go. Okay. All right. You're among friends. Yeah. <laughs> Work it into your character. It's part of the theme. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a hilarious house rule. If you fart at the table, your character did. Hope you weren't stealthing right there. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that, yes. That does happen. Flatulence. Uh, or like a jetpack wizard where. You know, jetpack wizard. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah, you guys come down nice. and we'll we'll set you up. That's how that half only got five more oh, feet of oh, nice. Yeah, you guys rock. <laughs> yeah, you guys yeah. rock. Hey, and oh, and you guys come over here and play whatever games you want to. I I saw some interest in Seven yeah. C uh, across mm-hmm, the table sure. from me here. So yeah, um, I love if you ever 7C. want to come and play Seven C, like be our guest. This is the place. I'd love to. Oh, man. I would but if there's to. not a single candle holder, I'm going to be upset now that you said be our guest. Uh, <laughs> be careful what you ask for. Very careful what you ask yeah, for. Yeah. Be very careful what you ask for at this table. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. It'll come to bite you in the ass real quick. Okay. I will play as a singing candle holder. I don't mind. It's true. It's true. <laughs> oh, man. Right. Like, it's it's the the human version of him when he gets. Yeah. Oh, have you seen those? Like, human? the, the oh, humanistic yeah. um, horror. Yeah. Versions yeah. of like Disney cartoons. Oh, yeah. They're terrifying. Oh, yes. Spooky, oh, yes. man. It's great. Yes. Yeah, the poo that's one that's coming out. Or whatever. Oh, no. Oh, I'm yeah. not. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, well, let's go. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Thanks for having us. <laughs> right. Enjoy okay, that, bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> all right, everybody. That's it for this episode. We had a blast getting together with these guys. They're just crazy, hilarious all the time. But. I hope you guys enjoyed, and uh, yeah, we'll have some more fun adventures on the next episode. <laughs>